of God. That now I want to go to, to Second uh, Peter, chapter one, Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty. Now this is also uh, in red, but uh, knowing this first. Now you need to write that. Even though it's written in red there, you need to write that scripture down because you need to know where this is at. All right. Second Peter chapter one verse twenty. Knowing this, what? Knowing this, what? First, you need to, in your Bible, you need to underline that. Before anything else, before you listen to one message, before you listen to anything on TV, anything, before you listen to anything on the radio, before you listen to anything, knowing this first. A lot of people want to know, you know, they, they, when they, when, especially when they first get converted, they're so excited and everything. Uh, they start drinking from this stream and that stream and this stream and that stream and what they really need to do is get into the stream. Okay? Knowing this first, okay? That no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, let, let, me, let me put it in words you can understand. That no prophecy of Scripture of any private origin. Okay? That may, maybe that word will identify with you. In other words... Any prophecy, no prophecy originated from within the heart of a person. It came from somewhere outside. Yes, he used their personality. Yes, he used uh, their mind. Uh, yes, he used their intellect, but it was a God-breathed word. It was not a private, it didn't come, originate inside the heart of a person. So it didn't originate with a person or a man. It originated, the, the, the original uh, word came from God. So you have to know this, knowing this verse, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private or original or, uh, origin. All right, verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man. All through the Scriptures you'll, you, you'll see where, and God moved on, on uh, the prophet, and, and God spoke through the prophet. You know, God was, people were pretty tough on prophets back in the Old Testament days. I mean, we're a little bit more lenient today on modern-day prophets than we are Old Testament prophets, aren't we? I mean, somebody gets on TV and prophesies today, and, I mean, you know, if, if they miss it, if then, you know, six months later when their prophecy didn't make it, they say, well, I just missed it. Well, how many knows you just didn't miss it in the Old Testament? You know what they did with prophets that was not a prophet? That? They didn't miss you. How many know you had a rock concert? How I many knows that prophets always went to a rock concert? If, and then, then how do you recognize a false prophet? If what he says doesn't come to pass, he's a false prophet, take care of him. And they'd have a rock concert and kill that sucker. Now, we've got a little bit more lenient today when the prophets are on the TV and all that stuff and they prophesy all this stuff that never comes to pass. What we should do is make an example out of them and go out and rock a few of them. It might make the rest of them think twice before they open their mouth and say, Thus saith the Lord. When you open your mouth and you say, Thus saith the Lord, you better know that what you're saying is of God. Okay? But here's what the scripture says For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he used their intellect, he used their personality, they wrote in different styles, uh, but it was, it was the Holy Spirit that was moving on them. That's how, that's how we got this book. Now, we'll, we'll talk about this in just a moment. Now, uh, 
The term Bible, and it's, it's written in red. You can't see that, but you need to put this down. The term Bible comes from the Greek word biblia, B-I-B-L-I-A. Mean, and in the meaning of biblia in the Greek means books. So when you see the word holy Bible, it just means holy books. It's, it's a canon of books, not one book. Yes, it makes up one book that we look at as the Bible, but it's actually made up of a lot of different single books and that's where we get the term Bible because it comes from the Greek word. Now, uh, I want to ask you a question. What do we know about our Bible? What do we know about the Bible? Come on, give me some feedback. What do you know about your Bible? Huh? 60? Huh? It's God's word. All right. Okay, it's God's word. Anybody else? What do you know about your Bible? God's word. Huh? It's got an Old Testament. It's divided into Old Testament and New Covenant, and Old Covenant and New Covenant. What else do you know about your Bible? All right, it was put together. It was put together the, uh, by, by Old Testament prophets, but they put those words. In fact, the Old Testament canon was, and we'll talk about this in a minute, was already put together and recognized before Jesus was born, before he came. What else do we know about the Bible? Huh? Different authors. How many different authors made it? How many, how many was involved in writing it? How many? All right. In fact, you need to fill in one of the blanks. 40 different authors, okay? 40 different authors. Uh, how, long, how many years did it take to complete it? How many years? How many? It covers a span, the, the writers cover a span of about 1,500 years. Forty different authors covered a span of about 1,500 years. How many books in the Old Testament? 30, what? 39. How many books in the New Testament? 27, all right, so making 66 books. Most of the, some of these authors lived on three different continents, they, and most of them lived in different eight times, didn't know each other, and yet what makes this book unique is it has one, you need to put that down, it has one central theme. It, 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 from the, from Gen, who wrote, in fact, who wrote the first five books? Moses. He, he tells us the story of creation. How did he know about creation? How did he know all that? God was moving on him, and, he, and the book of Genesis, he gives in, in short, concise statements, uh, the, get, get the creation story. But he wrote the first five books. It's known as the Pentateuch. And uh, it's the first five books of the Bible. That's not, you know, but you kind of put that down there, all right? But from beginning to end, there's a central theme that runs through all of this book. Most of these people didn't know each other. Most, some of them lived on different continents, lived at different times, but yet the, the, everything they wrote about was from Genesis to Revelation, one major theme. Now that is, and someone says, well, that just happened. No, it didn't just happen. God wanted his word uh, to be revealed to people. He wanted something that we could go by uh, to guide our life from here to heaven, and he, he was in the process of writing. Now, where was, where was the first story written? I mean, now, this is not in your notes, but it's kind of interesting. Where was the first story about salvation written? In Genesis? All right, but uh, before he wrote it on paper, he wrote it somewhere else, didn't he? He wrote it in the stars. He wrote it in the stars. 
the, the, some of the oldest star charts go back almost 6,000 years, five, over 5,000 years. Some of the Chinese star charts go back over 5,000 years. There's 12 major constellations in the heavens. Now, a lot of people say, well, you're talking about horoscope. No, God made the stars. He made the constellations. And, and uh, one of the major constellations is Virgo, which is Latin for virgin. One of the stars in her hands, uh, it, it, you know, talks about that the virgin will be with child. It's so the, the, the virgin is pregnant. That's all in the star charts. And uh, Sagittarius, uh, which is the sign that I was born there. Here's this, here's this half man, half animal. And he's, got a, he's on a, a, a horse in the star charts. And he has a spear in his hand. And, he's, and his horse is rare. Or he's reared over the form of a, of a serpent or a scorpion. And you think, well, what in the world had that have to do with the message of the star? It says that there'll be a dual person, man, or dual natured person come with weapons that will kill the serpent or the scorpion. And so all these things was written in the stars long before it was written in paper. It was written in the stars, the message of the gospel story. A lot of you, a lot of you was born, uh, you know, different signs. You probably know the signs, and sometimes we don't like talking about it because I think we're mixed up with the old cult. God made the stars long before the old cult got mixed up in it. Okay, yes, you can take everything that God does, everything that God has made, and the enemy tries to twist it and use it for bad. Okay, but originally he made the stars and he put the star charts up there so that man could chart his way through life. Uh, it is amazing that the old, the people of 5,000 years ago was so acquainted with the stars that they knew what the signs were. In fact, the major signs still had the same names as they had over 5,000 years ago. Isn't that a coincidence? God's word still speaks, okay? But, but notice now, what do we do, what do we uh, know about our Bible, all right? We know that it's one central theme. We know it was God-breathed. Now, get this in your, in your notes. The inerrancy of the scriptures will always be challenged. What do I mean by the inerrancy? The infallibility are, it is absolutely accurate. Why is it always going to be challenged? Why is people always trying to destroy our faith in the Bible? They don't want to believe it. They don't want to adhere to it. They're trying to destroy it. The enemy's always trying to destroy the word. He's always trying to bring accusation against it. He's always trying to say that it's not true. Why? Because if you can doubt, if he, if he can get you to doubt this, then he can get you off. If he can get you to uh, come to this and say, well, this is not, this was, you know, this was written by man and this was copied by a man. Well, yes, it was copied. And uh, it was copied word for word. We have, today we have copies of the original manuscripts. And it was copied word for word. God preserves and watches over his word. But if the enemy can get you to doubt this, then he can get you off. This, can you trust your Bible? You have to know that you can absolutely trust your Bible. I don't know, regardless of what people say, this is true. Let all men be a liar and God's word be true. This is, so it will always be challenged. People will always say, well, it contradicts itself. It, or it will say, you know, they'll always try to bring accusations that, that the Bible, you know, uh, is not really clear. And then men, as long as men are involved with it, it will never be accurate. Now, in the, if you have a King James Bible, and I will say this, if you have a King James Bible, now, the King James Bible, it was, was printed in, in the early 1600s. And uh, the, because, now, what, what the two languages of the Bible or the original uh, language, what was they written in? Hebrew and Greek. So when they translated the Bible, if you'll notice in a, in a regular King James Bible, 
it'll be, you'll be reading along and all at once you'll see a little word in italics, a little bit different printing. That is a word that the translators put in there trying to help you to understand what was being said. And in some instances that they kind of, you really have to study that because sometimes what they were trying to do, words, how many knows that words have changed since King James? Ye know that, okay? Ye and what's some of the other words? I mean, King James, thou, and I mean, you know, King James kind of, I mean, we don't talk that way anymore. So sometimes you have to be careful. But, but any of the words that they put in there will be in italic so that you'll know that the translator put that in there, and that was not in the original writing. So, so I just want you to be aware of that. Now, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Old Testament books were recognized as Scripture. The Old Testament books were recognized as Scripture before the birth of Jesus. Turn to, go up here, John chapter 5, Butch, if you get it. John chapter 5. There's a lot of different places. John chapter 5, verse 39. Let's see, let's see what this is. John chapter 5. All right, listen. What does it say? You, who's, in fact, for, who's talking first? Who, does anybody know who's talking here? Jesus talking. Some of you have red letter Bibles. Jesus talking. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. If you, and, and he, so he was putting his, he said, you got the scriptures. In fact, he recognized the Old Testament writings that were already there. He recognized those and confirmed that what they had were scriptures. So the Old Testament was confirmed by who? None other than Jesus himself. And he said, you can get into the scriptures and, and you can learn of me in the, in the Old Testament. So I gave you some, I don't know if you can see those scriptures, hopefully the Acts chapter 17 and verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. In fact, go back to 2 Timothy, our, our base scriptures, chapter 3, and, and, and key in verse 15. Now notice, and that now Paul's talking to Timothy, notice what he says. And that from the childhood you have known what? Timothy, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Paul was saying now, and it was recognizing that what they had at that point in time was the Holy Scriptures. So it was... It was uh, confirmed by Jesus, and the Apostle Paul related to it as Scripture. Copies of the Scripture were circulated even in Paul's day. Copies of the Scriptures were circulated even in Paul's day. Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. Now, I can give you, how many knows about, about uh, 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 what was it, Bar no, it wasn't Barnabas, it was Philip. He was leaving one place, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, took him down in the, into the desert, He's run alongside of a chariot of an Ethiopian eunuch. And he's run along there. The Holy Spirit has led him there. And you can, find, you can find this. All right. So he ran up to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So here's this eunuch. He's, he's in his chariot. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And I'm, I'm saying all this to let you know that all these scriptures are being circulated even in these days. So a great opportunity. Do you understand what you're reading? I mean, he's run alongside the chariot. And then the guy says, how do I understand unless I have somebody help me? Didn't to understand this stuff. Philip seized the opportunity, led him to Christ, explained the, the, the scroll of Isaiah and some of the words and led uh, that person to Christ. And, and stopped him. In fact, found some water and baptized him there. But it was all a result of the scriptures being circulated in those days. Uh, you know, so it's not something that they were just locked up somewhere in the temple or whatever. The scriptures were, were copied and were out and the people had, uh, had them and they was made available. Now notice, Inspiration does not evaporate with copying. A lot of people say, well, this can't be inspired. 
because there's been too many copies. Too many people had, you know, had their hands on it. Inspiration doesn't evaporate. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Whether it's copied or not, that doesn't, that doesn't do away with the inspiration. If it's copied word for word, if it's reproduced word for word, then the inspiration is still in what God has said, regardless of how many years old it is. So understand when people say and try to, uh, you know, destroy your faith in this book, remember that what you have in your lap is the word of God. Now look at the purposes for the scripture. Go back to uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's what? How many wants to prosper? Here, here's, here's the pillars, all right? You need to put this down. Look at the purpose of the scripture. Number one, it's profitable. If you want to prosper in your spiritual life, you can't do it apart from the word of God. Bottom line, uh, I don't care how, how long you're, you're saved. I don't, I don't care how long you've been in church. Uh, spiritual maturity, you're not going to prosper in your life if you don't get into the word of God, okay? Not, and, and not only get into the word of God, but put to practice. Start practicing what the word of God tells you to do so it's profitable. And then what is it for? Number two, it's for what? It's for doctrine. Now, what that term doctrine just simply means teaching. Your core values, what you believe to be the truth, has to be based on teaching what this book says, okay? That's the reason it's very important that you rightly hide the word of truth. People can twist the scriptures and make it mean anything you want them to mean. I mean, we all, we all have the old joke. Have you heard the joke that David rode a motorcycle through Jerusalem? How many ever heard that besides me? You know where they get that? The noise of his triumph was heard all over Jerusalem. Triumph is the name of a motorcycle. I mean, you can make the Bible, you, if you want to, you can twist the scriptures and make it mean anything. That's the reason it's important to rightly divide the word of truth because you can get off if you, if you misinterpret what the Word of God is saying. So your core values uh, is, is going to be from what you have learned. Then, now, what's the third thing it's for? Reproof. It means proving. It means testing. Uh, what you hear against the standard. Uh, it, you know, if you hear something, and how many times have you, I, I repeatedly tell you, whenever you hear something, man, go to the Word of God. I don't care who talks to you. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how big their churches are. I don't care how big their ministries are. I, I don't care. When you hear something for the first time, uh, because there's a lot of good people out there that, uh, that, that they, they sincerely believe something, but they, they're sincerely wrong. And so the, the word is for reproof. Now, I know a lot of great people that when, they come to, when it comes to teaching certain areas of the Bible do not know what they're talking about. They can be great on certain subjects, but when it comes, uh, you know, I don't know if I should get into this or not. I mean, they're popular. They have big churches. But some of them are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so when it, so when it comes to teaching about the Holy Spirit, uh, all they're going to give you is what they, what they learned in seminary. And, and, and they're going to be teaching about something that they know nothing about. And uh, so if you have to be careful. Uh, now, it doesn't mean they're bad. It just simply means that they are not rightly dividing the word of truth. And uh, now, where in the scriptures do we see an example of this? There are any scriptures that, that points to this? Apollos, he was a great preacher. Uh, and he came in a certain area and Apollo, uh, or Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside, explained the word of God more fully to him. 
And when he left there, he had a greater revelation of the Word of God. It doesn't mean that they're bad people or we're bad people. It just means that our revelation, we haven't got the revelation, or the complete revelation that God wants us to have. And let me say this. I don't think any of us have the complete revelation yet. I think we're growing. It's something that the revelation, you get into the Word, and, and as you grow and as you get into the book, there's just a greater revelation, a greater revelation of the truth of God's Word. So I don't think anybody has the complete handle on it. All right? Number five, in, uh, um, uh, number four, co uh, correction. So we, it's profitable doctrine, reproof, and correction. It means a restoration to an upright state or right state. We like, we like sheep. All, all we like sheep have gone what? We've gone astray. Okay, so here comes the Word of God, and the Word of God starts to correct us. We're out here, out here astray, and all of us have gone astray. And so here comes the Word of God, and it's correcting us. It's like, it's like you're on the wrong side of the road, and a truck is coming, and you want to correct and get back in the right lane, okay? So how are you going to do that? You're going to get into the Word of God and allow it to correct you. Okay, number five, instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. Man shall not live by what? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That the man of God, verse 17 says, that the man of God may be perfect. What does that word perfect mean? That the man of God may be complete, perfect, mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. So, so the word of God, number six, is so that you would be perfect or complete and equipped for every good work. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, uh, go, go, go up here on the screen with it, all right? I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Now, is that just for preachers? You sure that's not just for preachers? Is it for everybody? And now notice he said, I, I, this, the charge was, I charge you. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I, it's emphasis place. There is a need, there's a challenge uh, that we need to be involved in something. The word preacher means to announce. And you need to put that down in your note. It, it means to announce. It means to proclaim. It means to deliver the truth. It means to make the truth known. Now, it's not just for preachers, okay? It's for everyone. Now, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you had to have a pulpit, that you had to be up here Sunday. I mean, ministering and preaching and sharing the word, proclaiming it, announcing it, it can take place over a cup of coffee. As you sit down with your friends, you're at Perko's, you're, uh, at, you're taking them out to dinner or whatever, Wherever it is that you meet, it can happen over a cup of, cup of coffee and you can share and announce the word. It can happen while you're driving in your car with someone. And there's all different kinds of places where this can take place. So understand it's not just a pulpit that, that you know, a lot of people get the idea, well, this is just for preachers and it's just for, no, it's everywhere that you are. That doesn't mean to argue. Notice it doesn't mean to argue and you need to understand that. Be ready, it says, be ready in season and out of season. Now, that is not, that is not a, uh, what am I going to say? That is not a warrant to be rude. A lot of people think, well, I've got this charge from God. God's told me to preach the word. 
in season, out of season, well, that's no warrant for you to just jump bad on somebody. In fact, if you do that, probably the people you're, you're saying that to is going to turn you off anyway. That's not what this means. And that is not what he is saying. It's not a warrant to be rude. It's an appeal against laziness. Because we are prone to be lazy in sharing the word of God. And I'll have to raise my hand. There are some times, have you ever just been so tired that, you know, you're, you're I, sometimes I've been uh, traveling and you get in a, a crowd and you're talked out and you just want to get somewhere and sit down. And invariably when that happens, you know what takes place? Somebody sits down beside you and they'll ask you, so, so what do you do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I drive. I could say that. I drive a bus, and that's not a lie. You know, are 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 you you? Know, have you ever been there where you just kind of talked out? You know, when when you feel like it, and when you don't. Be ready to share. It might, you might feel like it's an inappropriate time, but if the door of opportunity is open, then we have, this is a, see, this is a warm, not for us to be rude, but to be ready when, when we're, when, you know, get a hold of this laziness thing because we can all get lazy. You need to share. It's an appeal against laziness. Notice he gives a variety of approaches, and you need to understand this. First of all, he said convince. Now, this is an appeal to people who are intellectual. Are, uh, it's an appeal to the mind. Uh, in other words, you, you've got to be ready to know how to approach people. And that word convince is, how many ever read the book, All of This Evidence Demands a Verdict? Who wrote that book? Do you know anybody know? Josh McDowell. All right, the reason he wrote that book is that it, it reaches people mentally. There's a lot of people that, you know, that you have to meet them on an intellectual basis. You have to prove to them. And this Josh McDowell, I mean, you need to be armed with some stuff that can disarm people who think, you know, that they're intellectually a little bit higher than you. And just be able to, to, to let them know that, listen, this is true, regardless, regardless of what they think. And you need to be able to convince them and reach them on an intellectual level. Notice then it says rebuke. Then it says rebuke. So you convince them. Sometimes, sometimes people are caught up in sin and they need to be rebuked. In a nice way, but there's, there's a rebuke. They're, they're off course, and they, they need to be rebuked. So you convince people sometimes on, on a mental level, intellectual level, and then sometimes you come alongside maybe a sinning brother or a sister, and, and you do it in the right spirit. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, sometimes people say, well, I rebuke so-and-so, and they, didn't, they enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, that's not the right spirit. When you rebuke somebody, you do it in a spirit of what? Humility. You don't enjoy. You don't enjoy. That's not something you enjoy. That's not something you look forward to. You know, some people have notches on their pistol. Bless God. I mean, they shoot from the hip. I mean, you know, that's not the spirit in which you rebuke. You know, you, you, t you rebuke and maybe you help correction with an eye on yourself. Because next week it might be you in need of rebuking. You understand what I'm saying? So, so that, you know, people that, you know, 
that some people are really, you know, <laughs> it, it, as long as it's not their sin you're messing with, we're, we're okay. We get into this rebuke thing. And then exhort. People that are discouraged need to be encouraged. So it's convince, rebuke, and exhort. Why does he exhort us? Why is he so passionate? Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Keep on doing it. Don't, don't get tired. Why is, he, why is he challenged? Look at verse 3. For the time will come when what? There'll be a time that will come, and I think we're living in that time now. That there'll be a lot now, there'll be a lot, and I think he's, he's ministering now to the church. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. People will prefer fables. It's going to be a time, Timothy, that they're going to, they'll, they'll want to hear fables rather than the truth. They won't, they won't be able to, they won't be ready to line up for sound doctrine and healthy doctrine, something that will cause them to be healthy, but they won't, they won't rather hear a fable. What is a fable? It's a story. All right. Made up. It's a made up story. Uh, simply put, it's a made up story. A fable is a made up story. It's not true. It, has, it may have a thread of truth, but it's all mixed up. It's a fable. Now, do our, is our world, do we have some good fables? Oh, do we have fables or not? What's a, what's a good fable? A snake in the Garden of Eden was what? All right, all right. All right, any other? I mean, that's, anybody else? There was a big bang, and there was an amoeba, and all at once that amoeba got smart. Is that a fable? It's being taught to your kids. It's a lie. It, it, yeah, but it's a made-up story. It's a made-up story. Here's, here's the premise that evolution is made on. Given enough time and chance, anything can happen. That's it. I read in the paper the other day that it took 250 million years for your eye to develop. That's a smart amoeba. That amoeba, 250 million years it took for that thing to develop your eyeball. Man, isn't that, isn't that great? They teach that to our kids as absolute fact. Do I, do I believe in dinosaur stuff? Absolutely. God made them. Read the book of Job. He describes them to you. He describes the sea serpents. He describes, he, he describes dinosaurs. All that stuff. Why? He, he saw them. He saw them. Well, you know, you think, well, what, you know, fossils, all this timeline, carbon-14 dating, all that stuff. I'm telling you, it's a good story. It's a good story. Given enough time and chance, anything can happen. Now, if you believe that, then you can take a stick of dynamite, given enough time and chance, you can take a stick of dynamite and throw it out here in an auto-wrecking yard, and if you have enough time and you throw that dynamite long enough, then, then it'll blow up and go up into there and come down as a Ford dealership. 
given enough time and chance, I believe you'll get good enough, sooner or later that baby will come down in the form of a garage. And then you're in business, see? Then you'll have your proof. How many knows that will never happen? And that theory of evolution will never happen either. But it's a fable. How about reincarnation? Is that a fable? Here's the theory of reincarnation. You keep doing it until you get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Who, who wants to? You know, if you go through this life and you don't get it right, you're just going to be reincarnated and come back. You're going to keep doing this thing until you get it right. One time's enough for me. When I leave here, I don't want to come back as a bug or a monkey or whatever. I seen one, I seen, did you see the Brimmer cow today in the paper? It's a holy cow. Did you see it? Holy cow, had, that, had the face of that Brimmer cow all painted up. Did you see that game? It was a holy cow. It was somebody's relative. Oh, that's where two ignoramuses meet. Them people over there starving, walking around alongside beef. I'd wind that cow down an alley. I'd kill somebody. I'd kill somebody's ancestor, but I'd eat good that night, boy. You know what I mean? Because if you really believe that, they're going to come back as something else anyway. So, I mean, hey, you know, we'll just send them on. <laughs> we'll help them. I'm helping them. I'm helping them get to the next life. Reincarnation. Boy, is that a good fable? That's a good fable, and that's a good story. How about New Age? The New Age thought, oh, man, that's a good one. You're, you know, I can see God in you. You know, I mean, you're just, you know, we all, we all have a part of God in us and, and uh, you know, all this other stuff. Boy, I mean, it kind of embraces everything, doesn't it? It's a good story, but it's a fable. The time will come when they, when they will not, they will not. Listen to the truth. Are we living in that time? We're living in that time when people will not endure sound, the sound doctrine, but they'll, be, uh, they'll, they'll you know, turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside into fables. Verse 5. But you. Now notice these first two words, and we're going to close. These first two words. But you. Now it separates us. It separates us from those he's just been talking about. But you. So there's a separation now. Okay, we, we, back, we're not talking about those people anymore. But you, be what? Be watchful. You be watchful. Pay attention, listen up. You be watchful. Then what? <coughs> Endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Along with the blessings comes issues. I want to tell you, God, God will bless your life. I mean, you're... As a believer, you're going to go through this thing and you're going to be blessed, but along with blessings, you, you get this down, put it down in your day book, along with God's blessings on your life is going to come some issues. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, there's some afflictions that comes with that. If you were going to sell out and commit and dedicate your life to the Lord and you're going to live the way that he wants you to do, there just goes to be some issues. Some things will be hard to take. Some things will be hard to, to, uh, to take, okay? And that's what he's saying. Endure afflictions, along with the blessings comes issues. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Everybody here have a ministry? Oh, man, have you read that, read that purpose-driven life yet? Everybody has a ministry. 
You say, I'm not an evangelist. I, I'm not saying you are, but I'm telling you everybody has a ministry. You have a purpose in your life. You have a ministry. It may not be going to third world countries, but I guarantee you somewhere you have a ministry of touching someone's life, okay? What are some of the reasons ministries go unfulfilled? And we'll close with this. What are some of the reasons ministries go unfulfilled? Huh? Fear. Probably the biggest one. Fear. You have a ministry, but you're going to have to conquer fear. You're going to have to conquer fear. I can't do it. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't know enough. I don't know this. I don't know that. Oh, you can go forever with that, can't you? He's not asking you to go overseas. He's not asking you to be a missionary. He's just asking you to be, to fulfill whatever God has called you to do today. And in the process of you doing that, he'll lead you to where he wants you to be. So fear. How about unbelief? God can't use me. God can't use me. Well, he used a donkey one time. Isn't that true? Didn't he, did he not use a donkey? I mean, he, God can use, I mean, he used a rod. He used a stick. I mean, he said, Moses, what, what's that in your hand? He said, just a stick. He said, throw it down. I mean, he can use, God can, if you make yourself available, God can use you. So get, get rid of this unbelief. How about cares of this world, cares of this life? Don't get so tangled up in this life that uh, you miss what God is wanting to do for you. How about besetting sins? Besetting sins. Just by the time we get up, we got this thing we just can't get victory over. You have to work on those issues. You have to get help. If you can't conquer yourself, get help. How about criticism? Oh, man. If, I want to tell you this right now. The moment you try to start doing something for God, get ready for it. Somebody's going to criticize you. I want to tell you, that is the truth right now. Somebody is going to say something ugly. Get ready. Get ready. Just expect it. Okay? In my case, it's probably true. <laughs> but I'm doing the best I can. Okay? Criticism. And what that leads to is discouragement. You can put that one down too. A lot of people get discouraged never to try it again. Never to try again. They get discouraged. Don't do that. Don't do that. Finally, verse 8. Get this one. Finally. There is later for me the crown of righteousness. Remember, this is last Paul's last letter. This is his last letter that he ever writes. Never writes another one. After this, he, he goes home. There is later for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Listen, final word, okay? There's an end to this journey. There's an end to this journey world. I'm hoping that we all go up in the rapture. But reality says that there's a lot of people whose journey is ending all the time. We do funerals almost on a monthly basis. We're doing somebody's funeral. The end's coming. The finally is coming. Whether, like Paul, you go to the executioner, 
whether you give it up through death or an accident. All kinds of people are going home. There's a finally. There is a finally coming for all of us. Whether it's after the church or not, there's a finally coming. But listen, after that, it's all good, man. It's all good. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but he's talking about all of you. So don't give up. Don't give in. You know, don't be intimidated. Get your, get your life, you know, solid on the word of God and, and then live for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yeah, live for Jesus. It's going to be over. It's going to be over. All right. Any questions?